I'm Tim Burke, and this is the Tactical Games Podcast. And I'm Nate, his assistant, and we are going to be talking about all things tactical games and in the tactical world and the tactical realm, and not just tactics as the buzzword. We're also going to talk about athleticism, mental toughness, and other fun attributes that you should have in anything you do in life. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's great. Love it. That's good. Okay. Again, this is this is your show. Your name's all over it, so you can you can tell me change things and I'll half-ass listen. To it. So <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, Tim. We are at the time of this recording. We are literally seven days away from uh, an event. I want to know what your your thought is right now, because you are because we talk about athletes getting ready for events, and this is what the segue is. I want to talk about mental toughness today. So let's talk about the organizer's mental toughness, because this is not, it's not easy just to throw together a games in, you know, what, three or four states away from your home state. Is it? it is definitely not easy. Um, you know, I'm not a super detail oriented person by nature. I'm more of the, the big picture kind of guy. So when it gets down to, you know, seven to 10 days prior to an event, uh, I, I literally go through a checklist uh, of everything that I'm supposed to do, and uh, it forces me to be detail oriented that way. But um, you know, yeah, if I if I slack off even for a day, uh, being a business owner, there's nobody else that's going to pick up that slack. If I don't do it, uh, nobody does. And ultimately, it shows at the games when the athletes go, "Hey, where's the water?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And everybody's drooling and their tongues are hanging out because I don't have water. So um, a lot of details go into uh, doing one of these events. Um, you know, most most people that are familiar with it know Sarah by this point, the vice president now of the Tactical Games. And Sarah is the, the 180 degree uh, counter Tim. And she is so very detail oriented. Um, she she was Special made for me by God himself and dropped into my lap. But uh, we, we do a lot of texting, a lot of coordinating in, in the week or so leading up to the games. And we're actually hoping to have her on uh, a later episode um, down the road. So we introduce her to everybody. Because so, so Sarah is a, uh, I, I want to get her resume right, but I know I'm going to leave something out of it. She is a fitness instructor. She is a CrossFitter. She is an ultra runner. She is also a nutritionist and a few other things. She is an amazing person. Um, I've enjoyed every conversation I've ever had with her. And you're right. She's very, very detail oriented, which is, which is great because you need that to do, uh, to, to do the games. And what I want to segue into now is being detail oriented is not always necessary, but is, is a skill that you need to have prior to deploying to the games or going to uh, your sporting event, or even just looking at uh, your training plan for the year. So an athlete side, let's talk about mental toughness. Now you come from a background of special operations and army and sports as well. You've spoken publicly about um, going through selections and that fork in the road and having to decide to go forward or stop. Right. What do you attribute that mental strength to? What helped you facilitate that growth of toughness over the years? Um, that's a really good question. 
Um, I think at some deeper level, at a visceral level, deep down inside of me, um, it comes down to if this, then that. And, or, or you could say it like this, if I want this, then I must do that. And you can fill the this and the that in with whatever it is in your life that you're trying to accomplish. Um, in my case, uh, when I went through special forces assessment selection, I purposely didn't give myself a plan B. I literally said inside myself, and I meant it, if I don't make it, it's good because I'm going to be cold and dead and stiff in the back of a truck as they drive my body, you know, to, to be, uh, you know, cut open to see why I died. What is that called? An autopsy? Um, autopsy yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, resolve comes to mind, <clears throat> making up my mind ahead of time that I'm going to do this, um, you know, and just and just you, you don't give yourself a plan B. There is no other option. Um, now, do I have doubts? Absolutely. I, I often tell this story when I speak to men's groups that the morning SFAS started, I was driving in the, the back of a five-ton truck and all the tarps are down and it's black on purpose. And But it was about four in the morning and I'm in the back of this truck, kind of freezing because it was January. And I'm listening to the guys in the truck and these faceless voices in the dark, you know, and one guy said, Oh yeah, I was Mr. Runner up Illinois bodybuilder three years in a row. Another guy said I was a college quarterback and another guy chimed in, you know, yeah, I've been a police officer for nine years and I did SWAT and I did, you know, and I, I was literally sitting there going, Oh my gosh, why am I here? I can't compete with these guys. But in, in many of those cases, the guys that, that were um, talking with bravado and, you know, a false sense of um, confidence were, Which yeah, well, they were the first ones gone. And, uh, you know, everybody gets this idea that this special forces guy or these Delta guys or these huge, gigantic, muscular dudes. And there are some of those, but for the most part, guys in special operations are medium height, medium build. And I jokingly say medium bald in some cases, you know, um, but just yes. I say they're, they're ordinary guys with extraordinary desire to succeed. And so if I had any claim, it wasn't talent. It wasn't an ex extra physical ability at all. It was just uh, an extraordinary desire to accomplish something that was meaningful. And and that right there, from what I'm hearing, is your your focus was outcome based. It was about personal drive and what you wanted, and how much you wanted it. At the end of the day, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And and that transitions into the rest of the world. So when we when we want something so much that we dedicate every minute, every hour, every day to its achievement we can achieve great things as as you've proven with this and as athletes prove every day with what they're doing um athletically and business-wise and heck we've even pe put people on the moon right um when it comes to the athletic side and this is something i learned um 
when I used to do biathlon is I'd always have this anxiety the week before of the race. And I, and I have it right now because I, I, I know when we're a week out from the games, I've got to compete. It, you know, I'm not setting any land speed records or whatever, but my, my goal in my head is I will not fail any of the battles. I will complete every battle. That's my goal going into it. Simple, yeah. right? Okay. Here, here, let me that's interject. That's simple, but not easy. People, exactly. people confuse those two. Something can be very simple and not be easy at all. And and it's not a challenge to you to go, okay, Nate's in the next battle, so let's up the ante here. And <laughs> Trap this extra sandbag um, on there quick. Exactly. Instead of sand, it's, it's cement and Nate's uh, brute force, go. right? Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, what I'm getting at is is when I stand when I would stand at the starting line. I'm in the stocks. I've got my poles in front of the line. I've got my bindings on the line. I'm watching the clock count down, and I think to myself, "Okay, it doesn't matter now. I've done every. I've done everything I can to get to this point. If I've done enough or haven't done enough, it doesn't matter because what I'm going to do is what I'm going to do. And then I would take off and do things that I did, and then I'd finish the race and go, was it really worth being that anxious all week for it? Like I did everything I could and I kind of like bring myself down. So the anxiety would bring me up the, uh, some, some coaches calls it, call it arousal because you're, you're, you're in the moment, you're excited, you're stuck in that, uh, pre-deploy or pre-start phase. And then you go and you burn yourself out and then you come back and you have to say, okay, did I achieve what I wanted to achieve? And if you didn't, do you still have that energy left inside you? Now, what I'm trying to get at here and, and kind of the long way around here is I spent all year training for this race and getting ready to go for it. And I ensured I left everything out there on the track. There was a couple times in my career where in my racing career where I realized, okay, I didn't push hard enough. I didn't push at the right times and I could have done better. But I didn't beat myself up over and go, oh, what a waste of a year. It's like, okay, now I know for the next one. And when we talk about mental toughness over the years, uh, working with the Olympians and things, we've seen a transition from where everybody was super serious and starting lines in any sport. And you could see it on everybody's faces during the early 2000s where everybody was just serious. And now after seeing the CrossFit Games and seeing all these different things and the Olympians around the world, and, and in their sports, and this is all sports inclusive that I've watched, and I think you might have noticed it too, Tim. If you haven't, let me know. Athletes are more positive and smiling and appearing to be a bit more relaxed. They still have their game face, but they're not as uh, tense and tight, and, and their body seems to be a little bit more relaxed because they're receptive to having fun. Yeah. Have you notice that? So I, I actually have about three things that I would I would say. Um the, okay. the first thing that, that I realized many, many years ago, um, and I'm going to segue into exactly what you're talking about. Um, Perfect. You know, the reason, and, I, and this kind of came out in, in another podcast that I did recently, but the reason I didn't do well in high school wasn't because I was stupid. It was because I wasn't focused. I mean, I, I w well, let me rephrase that. I was focused, but I was focused on girls and dating and, you know, fighting other dudes and, you know, who's the toughest and and all the wrong things. Um, but when I got in the army and it gave me a, a, a venue that I could actually use my uh, adrenaline junkie personality 
and properly focus on something that meant something to me, all of a sudden I could excel. So, so my, my first thing that I would say about preparation and being successful, whether it's, you know, a biathlon or the tactical games or starting a business or getting through college or making a relationship work, whatever it is, if you don't have focus, you're not properly focused on it, it's not going to work or you're going to be marginal at it. So um, I think, you know, in the last 20, 25 years, as we've watched athletes and athleticism morph from what it used to be in the seventies, it's, you know, me against you and I'm going to win. And um, I think it was, it was hurting people uh, to have those attitudes. Um, and, and for example, in jujitsu, we always say, don't fight against your opponent, fight with your opponent. If that, if you kind of grasp yes. that, you know what I mean? All of a sudden it's like, oh, I get it now. And now I'm using his strength against him, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, but by focusing, it allows you to block out the unnecessary and do and think those things that are going to be most beneficial. Um, which leads me to, you, you mentioned uh, winning. Uh, I did a, a Instagram post, uh, I think two nights ago, uh, leading up to the tactical games in Atlanta. We just built the trophies. All of our trophies are, are laser cut and handmade and we put them together and and uh, they're, they're really cool trophies and we take pride in them. And uh, so I put on the blog, I said, you know, here are the trophies for Atlanta. And I, I didn't say who's going to come and get one. I said, you've either already won this in your training or you didn't. That's that's awesome. Yes, I saw that post. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. Words. yeah. So so the, the beauty of what I just said is if you have put the time into your training and your programming was uh, appropriate, not too much, not too little. Uh, focusing on the right things, um, going to the, back to that athlete standing on the line has his game face, but is seemingly relaxed. If you've put the work in and you know you've put the work in, then there's nothing to stress out about at all. You're you're there. It's game day. I've prepared as best I can, and when I hear three, two, one, go, um, uh, you know all of that hard work is going to come out. And that's where the work shows, right? Yes, that's that's exactly where the work shows. And that is what is fantastic about this sport and about the games themselves. Right? This, this, the games, you can show up from any background. If you put the programming and the work into it, you are going to do well. You will be the leopard of the day or be a leopard, uh, as Tim has coined mm -hmm. that phrase you know, be the leopard. If you don't put the work in and you show up um, and you think you can, you know, just wing it, well, good luck to you. Maybe you can. Um, chances are you probably won't, but, you know, good luck to you. Yeah. So we've talked about putting the work in and we talked about the programming. One thing I've noticed uh, from watching all the other blogs and, and Instagrammers and whatnot is everybody is really trying to dial in that programming. What are tips that we could give to them 
about the mental toughness training because a 45 minute workout and some range time isn't all that is required. You do have to have that mental mindset. Yeah. So, so um, this is actually a good point to interject the fact that we are going to be standing up this fall, the tactical games university, and we will, will be designing curriculum. Let me rephrase that. We've already designed curriculum. We'll be offering courses for athletes who either have been in the tactical games and want to do better or for people who are just getting into this new sport and want to know what it's all about and want to prepare the best they can uh, without overtraining and looking at training injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So we're designing that um, those, those courses and that coursework as we speak. Um, but what are my tips? My tips are don't do 45 minute workouts. My, my tip is do a six minute workout and shoot and then take a 10 minute break and do another six minute workout and shoot and then take another 10 minute break and do short, um, very focused, very intense workouts. And then several times a week as an alternative then you might want to go do your four mile run, uh, you know, with kit on or um, do that longer endurance based event. But, um, you know, neither, neither, neither one of those things is going to um, be the full Monty all by itself. You, you've got to have a very, um, I'm struggling for the word, but um, all encompassing, uh, very wide, okay. wide. Yes, very good. <laughs> that uh, that was a college word. Well-rounded. Uh, you got to have a very well-rounded uh, approach, or you're going to have a weakness at something that we're going to throw at you. And and to be honest with you, it's it's somewhat unfair. As I walk around the events and I watch athletes compete, I'm specifically looking for the one thing that everybody's failing at. And you can mark it down and bet your house on the fact that at the next games, that's going to be uh, one of the major events. I knew it. <laughs> you denied it in conversation before, but now I've got you on tape. You, you, you do watch, you do creep around looking for that, that, uh, you know, that lacking factor just to exploit it in the next game. So everybody, I, I have exposed <laughs> him for the sneaky evil man that he is. Okay. I called it. Now, uh, in touching back to this, this uh, Tactical Games University, I am enthralled with the, the aspect and the potential of this. Like I'm, I'm grasping at my thoughts right now because the opportunities that that presents to go and take these courses and get that education from the Tactical Games at University really ups the ante for me. It's like going and training with the Olympic team and getting that, that feedback and chance that you can't normally get. And now you're doing it for the tactical games. I am, I'm looking forward to taking some of those courses and getting some, uh, I want to say hands-on or uh, not, not sound creepy here. I'm looking forward to getting some hands-on <laughs> with Tim Burke. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, in all honesty, the university um, aspect we we will be covering a lot more of it, talking about it, but definitely, definitely exciting to hear it and be able to uh, to release that information here on the show. So, yeah. So, mark your calendars. That's happening. You said in the fall. Definitely stay tuned for that, people, because we will be talking more about it. 
Now with that, the segue I want to talk about next is some gear. There's been a lot of question. That was a weird way to pronounce that. There's been a, um, a lot of talk about optics right now and mm -hmm. iron sights. A lot of other sports, uh, shooting sports, they have different rules and whatnot. For the tactical games, it is optics with zero magnification. Correct. Right? And iron sights Correct. for pistols. The reason for that is, Tim? Yeah, so... You know, there. I mean, all you got to do is go to a three-gun competition, and you know, uh, in many cases, uh, let's just start with the principle. The better your gear, the easier it is to shoot accurately and faster, right? So, arguably, yeah. there is a there is a, a limitation to it, but arguably, you can buy a better gun and increase your chances of of uh, performing better. I mean, it's, that's just true, right? We all want slick down triggers. We all want at least fiber optic sights on our guns. We want a ported barrel. We want, you know, why do we do that? It's to make us more accurate and more, more, uh, more quicker, <laughs> make us quicker and, and more accurate, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, we want to minimize that. We don't want somebody to be able to quote unquote buy their trophy. I want to test. Yes a person's skills at the foundation and fundamental level. So we, we allow red dot sites because they're ubiquitous. You find them in every unit from a basic infantry unit all the way up through special operations now. So it's not like just SEAL Team 6 has red dots, right? Um, they're everywhere. Yes. So we allow those, but we also know that if you put a magnification on it, it makes a 200 yard shot pretty easy. So um, we, we don't we don't necessarily want to test, you know, the the quality of your optic. We want to test your ability to use the fundamental optic. So so we allow red dot sights, uh, but we don't allow magnification because it tests your marksmanship. Okay. Um, and then on pistols, same thing. Uh, I recently did some training with a uh, very large SWAT team here in Central Florida. And uh, most of the guys were running just sights, iron sights. And uh, one guy in the crowd had an RMR on his pistol. He had bought it himself and had it put on there. And everybody started shooting that. They, he let them take turns shooting it at about 50 yards and and – Operators that were not able to hit a steel target at 50 yards with their iron sights all of a sudden could with their RMR, with that RMR. So, yeah, so it just it totally validates the point that you can actually buy performance. And so, again, I want to test skill and ability, not a person's checkbook. I want them to show me that they have a command of the fundamentals. They can apply it under stress and hit what they're shooting at. And that is fantastic because it, it is, again, all based on your skill and ability, not your gear. And we don't want people to buy their championships. We don't want them to buy their titles. You want them to be able to win them and stand there and say, yeah, I, I did this and I should be able to do just as equally good next time, no matter what I'm running. And or Or if they have an equipment failure. Everybody on the planet's now relying on those red dots. 
you, you wait and see. And I actually did it in Texas. I said, toggle off those red dots, those, those backup did, iron yeah. sights, and I made them shoot with backup irons, which they might see more of, right? Um, look, if it takes batteries, if it's a mechanical device, it's going to fail. So Murphy absolutely. So in. you've got to have redundant systems. And redundant systems means iron sights and, uh, you know, shoot without that red dot sometimes. Here's a here's a fun story uh, about shooting. <laughs> so 2007, I'm at the North American Championships uh, for biathlon. Um, we were racing here in Canada. We were hosting it. I've got my rifle on my back. I've got my training partner that we've been training for a year together. Uh, we both got our plan. We're ready to go. We're in their starting blocks. I take off going through. I do my first bout of shooting. So there's four bouts of shooting, two, two prone, two standing, and it's five targets each. So you're only shooting 20 shots, um, and it's a 20-kilometer individual race. No big deal. Right? So the, the process I want to talk about here is the shooting. So my first bout of prone shooting, I shoot clean. No big deal. Uh, it's first lap. Come back in for the second one. I'm in the standing now. I draw my rifle off my back. And as you draw your rifle, you go front sights because you remove your snow cover. So I see my front sights. I'm all good. I'm traveling down the rest of the, the rifle with my eye. I go rifle and shoulder. I look. There's no rear sight. Mm. <laughs> no rear sight nice. at all. Okay. So, so I stop and the rear sights are about 500 bucks. Okay. So I'm, I'm looking around and it's just an aperture sight. And of course it's German made, so it's really expensive. So I look around the ground, there's nothing there. So I look to the officials behind me and I say, Hey, has anybody seen my rear sight? Now I'm known as a bit of a, a goofy a guy. Sometimes. So everybody just kind of laughed. <laughs> a jester, yeah. So everybody just kind of looked there and laughed. And, you know, these are people who have known me for a decade or whatever. So they just start laughing like, yeah, yeah, shut up and shoot. So, uh, Body alignment, natural position, breathing, all the fundamentals, no rear sight. I was able to hit two seven-inch plates out of five at 50 meters with the 22, just, just based on yeah. basic fundamentals. I was blown away. I was over the moon that I actually That's hit great. two of them. Um, yeah, and then I skied around for the next hour and a half looking for my <laughs> rear sight, which was in which somebody else had found and handed off to another official and you know uh, off it went but anyways the point was and this is this is quantifies what you're saying about the redundancies and backup systems if i hadn't spent the year just perfecting the natural alignment and breathing pattern and, and just the fundamentals of shooting i would have yep. hit those two yep you know and and that's the lesson that we really want to take away from this is when Things go sideways, even in battle. When things go sideways, you always revert to your lowest level of yeah, training. That's right. And, and that is the iron sight. So, that, wow, that was like, I feel like I just dropped a bombshell. Like, we just, Tim, we just had this conversation where the, everybody's going, oh my goodness, I totally understand why I need to start shooting well, iron and, sights now. And, and, and take that your, your story from a competition perspective. And now let's drop that person or that same situation into Sadr City or someplace in Afghanistan. Oh, yes. And, you know, uh, what do you what do you don't want to hear in the middle of the night when you're in a firefight? Does anybody have any batteries? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you just get this sinking feeling in your heart. So 
um, you know, it just just that that kind of thing. Yes, I changed my batteries every time I went out. Yes, I did maintenance. Yes, I cleaned my lenses. But guess what? I always made sure my backup iron sights were zeroed because it's not if, it's when equipment's going to fail. Exactly. And one of our uh, my section's SOPs was a five-round group of iron sights before we stepped off for patrols. Just test fire. One, to test fire to prove that the, the rifles were functional. And two, just to give them that, that uh, re, reconfirmation. And uh, the stories I can talk about dead batteries. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I think that's getting us off on a different yeah, tangent. A whole new so, slew of jokes, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> that's right, sir. You just keep reaching for those D cells. So, so getting us back on track, we've talked about mental toughness, and then we talked about optics as well. And this is why I, I touched on the optics, because everything goes back to that lowest level of training. So if you are training with the high end, high speed gear all the time and something doesn't work, then you have to, you know, backstep to your lowest one. And if you didn't confirm that lowest one before you left and stepped off, then, you know, battle or competition style, you're going to have a bad day. And that's part of the mental toughness, too, is to, to slow yourself down and be humble enough that, OK, Murphy can step in here and screw with me. So I need to do this preventative. And I, th I think that's yeah, a great segue absolutely. right there. Uh, yeah. So mental toughness also includes taking the time to reaffirm all your, your kit. Um, you were in the army. I was in the army. Basic. Everybody's always doing kit list uh, inspections, always inspecting gear, you know, once a week or whatever, serviceability and stuff like that. I recommend, and Tim, if you don't agree, then you're wrong. Um, I recommend checking your gear weekly, even if you're training with it or whatever, just take the time to just give it a once yeah, over. In, in combat, we, uh, as leaders, we would do pre-combat checks, you know, even at the level that I was working, I would line my guys up, you know, uh, show me your am ammo, show me your um, night vision. You got batteries in it. When's the last time you cleaned the lenses? You know, when's the last time you changed your batteries in your your optics when you know uh, you got water do you have and you just go through pre-combat checks and you know i'm think about the police officer that's out there that you know he gets up every single day and goes out to do many times the same thing right and and it's easy to get complacent and i would just say that every police officer that goes on duty should have some level of pcc you know, look at your buddy, look at your, you know, your ride along partner, whoever, and say, hey, do you have this? Do you have that? When's the last time you did this? You know, um, and, and just make sure you're ready. And as a competition shooter, those things may not happen as often, but you should still be checking your gear, checking your person, checking the, the equipment that you're using, and making sure that it's not going to fail you at that critical moment because <laughs> mark it down, that's when it's going <laughs> to fail is when you're in second place and you're down by four seconds and all of a sudden it's going to go and you're not going to have a dot anymore. So so can't, can't exactly. stress it enough. Well, let's take, well, let's take a game-specific situation. Uh, there was a competitor in the elite division in uh, – and we can talk about this because he, he, he went public with it already – um he had a catastrophic not a catastrophic uh because that's like exploding barrels and stuff but he had a massive 
malfunction. Um, he had a round that looked like the projectile had gone into the barrel, but it hadn't. Um, he had gunpowder everywhere. He stripped his whole rifle on the range in the middle of a battle to to find it, uh, just to figure find out that the round had been pushed into the uh, cartridge instead mm. of out the barrel. Uh, and he, he stood there, he did everything properly as quickly as he could, but effectively, and then still battled his way back into, I think, third or, or second place. Um, and of course, yeah, I'm, I'm referring Ivan. to Kit Badger. Um, Ivan, great guy. And the the fortitude he showed to, to slow it down and try to figure it all out instead of just saying, you know, I'm done. Uh, I don't know what's going on, uh, was amazing. And that quantifies right there. He'll tell you himself, be prepared, you know, have your stuff ready. Right. Based on that. Oh, so that let me interject something real quick. <clears throat> At the tactical okay. games, in some of the uh, events, we introduce mind games. Hold on. Hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> All right, I had to cough there. All right, so at some oh, of yeah, the no tactical worries. games, we, we uh, introduce mind games, and, and those come in various forms, and I've got some new ones coming up for the uh, specifically the event in South Carolina at GTI. Uh, I think that's going to be super, oh, yes. super interesting. Um, but one of the objectives of using those mind games uh, from a psychological standpoint, what I'm doing is when you go three, two, one, go, and those athletes storm down range and climb a rope and start dragging a sled, they go into what's called the sympathetic nervous system. And I think we've referred to this before in a former podcast. Yes. But it's that fight or flight, go, go, go. I'm going to get through it, under it, around it, over it. However, whatever it takes, I'm, I'm, I'm on green light. And that's the, the sympathetic nervous system. It's partially adrenaline driven, but it's also very, very much uh, driven by the, the brain and the different chemicals and neurotransmitters in the brain. So when I introduce these brain games, they're specifically designed to take you from the parasympathetic nervous system into the, I'm sorry, the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that part of your nervous system that allows you to sleep, relax, digest food, and think. So um, I totally just lost track. Oh, so what, what I witnessed when, when I watched Ivan have those malfunctions on the range in Texas was Ivan very smoothly transferred from his sympathetic to his sympathetic nervous system. And even though other athletes were now getting ahead of him and he was starting to lose, per se, he didn't allow that to draw him out. He stayed in his parasympathetic nervous system. He thought through the problem. He focused. He shut everything out that wasn't pertinent in that moment. And the end result was he was able to get his guns back up, finish the, that particular battle. And then overall for the the uh, entire weekend, as you said, he was able to battle himself back to like a third place finish or something like that, which is amazing considering the level of competition there is. So my whole point is uh, that exact situation is why we introduce those mind games is to in the middle of an adrenaline driven event is to get you to think your way through it no matter what.
And that goes right back to what we've been talking about the whole time, mental toughness, which isn't just the ability to push your way through something, but to actually decide when to push, when to slow down, and when to focus. And I think we've just blown your minds on this amazing episode of Mental Toughness. You're welcome. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on the Tactical Games Podcast. This is Tim Burke, and we hope you'll join us on our next podcast.